What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Thick Radio. I had Zev back on the podcast, and if you guys listened to the last one, this one is the complete polar opposite of it. We kind of went back to our roots, and we got a little more serious, and we talked about all kinds of really interesting topics, and we had a blast as usual, laughing and getting deep and realizing interesting things. We talked about everything from health and fitness and nutrition, all the way to sexualizing the opposite sex and attracting the opposite sex or finding a good partner and why that's difficult at our age. And we also talked about having an identity and identity crises and how that relates to survival with our ego and kind of our primal brain. So yeah, we talked about a wide wide variety of topics as per usual. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy it and I'll see you in the next episode. And his technology is awesome, but this is the is my podcast apparently so i and who knows if this makes it onto my podcast who knows otherwise we're gonna be doing some role play which actually wouldn't be the first time you and i scott anyways that's a whole <laughs> story but uh i thought i thought okay we're not going we're, this is not happening for a consecutive podcast together uh, no it can't yeah so the, the way i do it guys i always just jump right in so there's no fancy intro i'll do that on my own sorry sorry to disappoint Sounds, that's um, okay I disappoint you in all realms. So, anyways, no, um, only only a few times. Oh, and we don't talk about which. No, that is. I just faked it. People can guess. Oh, see now. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, (laughs) this is gonna go on my podcast too. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pumped. Yeah. No. By the way, I I really didn't have a script at all for this. However, I will to get your rolling. I saw two things recently today before this. One, both fitness related. One was um, when you start to see food as what it's doing for your body, it will change your life forever. And obviously that's a broad statement, but you know where they're going, which is like the food is fuel mentality. And some people think of us as like robots when we think that way. But I actually couldn't disagree more that when you see food as fuel, it's like people that understand movies. So you can still go and enjoy movies. But now you actually understand the movie and how they made it. And stuff. Yeah. So that's how I see. I don't know what. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think like, I think once you start to see food as fuel, like, I think it's coupled with the fact that you're seeing food as fuel, which means that you're trying to fuel something, which means you're trying to fuel performance, typically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think once people have performance goals in the gym, it's it's a cheat code. It's a cheat code for their weight loss goals, for their physique goals, for anything. It just makes the whole process so much easier. And when you start treating it as fuel, you're going to eat more protein. You're going to eat um, better carbohydrate sources, and you're going to be aware of like what you're eating and why and how that's affecting you. And as a result, as a result, I think when people shift that way, they tend to eat less and move more, and that's basic recipe for success with fitness so yeah i agree yep. with that wholeheartedly well and i, saw I think it's also <laughs> no 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 think... preach people preach <laughs> i think it's like i think it's also it can be i think it can go the other way though i think there's like a caveat to that where like i think some coaches too much where it's like food is just fuel food is just fuel but it's not like it's really not for most people like i think there's pros and cons because food is so many things like food is food is involved in your relationships and your friends and your social situations and like your religion and like and celebratory events and like and food has so many like emotional ties and importance in society too so just demeaning it to it's just fuel 
can also have an, a negative effect in the sense that you are taking away you are taking away what food means to humans and it like has such a big role in our society and our practices and our emotions that I also I don't think for most I think it's important to teach people about how food is fuel for training but also don't diminish it to food is only fuel you know what I mean yeah, 100%. Well, and I'll tell you, my brother, he knows cinematography so well and how a shot represents a symbol. And so when we watched something, we just saw some schlocky piece of shit. It was called Venom. And, uh, <laughs> no, and it was so bad. But we had a good time because, like, we under, like, well, he tells me, like, oh, okay, that shot, like, they should have done this. Or, and then we'll be like, oh, look at that cliche. And so it's the same thing. Like, we can go and eat some junk food and we're like, oh my God, this is horrible. But like, it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. 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 And, and but, but we don't sit on it. Like, it's the same thing as like, you know, we teach people not to punish themselves over the food they eat. You enjoy it and you get back on track. And it's, I guess, running with this analogy, it's the same thing. It's like, we can watch junk food television, but we get back on track and we get back to reading the books. We like, we get back to watching the documentaries. <laughs> yeah, one, exactly. 100%. I think uh, it's like, you can't, if you, as soon as you take those things out of somebody's life, like around food, then you're, you're becoming too restrictive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're, t- as soon as you start saying that there's things that are off limits actually is the issue. That is. Like and then the effect say- happens exactly yeah then they start yo-yo dieting and then you're never going to see the progress you want regardless so yeah i I agree with that wholeheartedly i think people should be allowed to go have a glass of wine should be allowed to go have a beer should be allowed to go to the movies and eat some popcorn like should have pizza should have ice cream just we want to have it in moderation and we want to watch our portion control and we want to fit it within a caloric intake if that's what's appropriate for the client but it can't you the last thing you want to do as a coach is start telling people what they can't have because that's who humans are wired. We are wired to, we're wired to push the big red button. We're wired to want the things that we can't have. You're anti-cheat meal. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. 100%. Like I'm anti-cheat meal for the everyday person. I think for bodybuilders, like it makes sense because like there is. What about me? What about you? What about me? Would you tell me to have a cheat meal? No, no, I wouldn't. I would tell you just to enjoy. I would tell you just to enjoy the food that you uh, that you like and fit it within your diet based on your goals. It would depend on what your goals are. Like my goals yeah, are to no, please I, you. I would, <laughs> then no, no, get back on yeah, track. Sorry, yeah, I pulled, then, pulled you yeah, off track. I think you sh- I think you should have a dirty cheat meal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I've seen Jordan Syed yeah. talk a lot about cheat meals and like he'll say, you know, don't eat like an, an asshole necessarily because it can definitely do a little bit of damage or for some people bring them completely off track. And it, like, I guess it depends if you if the cheat meals are two to three times your daily caloric intake, like I guess that can hinder you for a day or two. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's not even the hindering. It's the fact that you're, it's again, it's, it comes back to that restriction thing. It's like when you, when the, the, it's the issue with cheat meals is the word cheat meal. The the fact that it's cheat, it's that you're cheating on something. It's that you're like doing something that you're not supposed to be doing. And that's, that's bullshit. Like you can eat a burger, you can have some ice cream, like you, you can do that within your diet. And I would way rather somebody be able to fit some of those things in moderation on every day of the week rather than 
struggling all week and being mm-hmm. super restrictive and just waiting to the weekend. It's the same thing, man. Like you hear, how many people do you hear that just like Monday to Friday is like just grind, grind, grind. And it's just miserable for them. It's like, I'm just working to the weekend. I just, I can't wait to go on that camping trip. I can't wait to get to Saturday. I can't wait to get drunk on Friday, whatever. So many people are really unhappy with their job. You don't want to create that even more so with somebody's diet, right? And you don't want to make them, you don't want to make them even more, uh, even more restrictive and even more rigid with their week. Um, because then like come that cheat meal, you're, you're much more likely to have somebody indulge on an insane amount of calories on Sunday. If you've told them that they can only have that every two or three weeks, that's how you might have somebody that like eats three, four or 5,000 calories all in one sitting. And then they're going to feel really shitty about themselves after that too. And it's not to say with everybody, like bodybuilders have a lot of success with cheat meals, but that's different. Like that you're talking about a sport, you're talking about like pursuing a very extreme goal where like there are very restrictive things related to that around your diet and you know that in the process of prepping for a show you have a very restrictive mindset around your food and you're probably going to do some harm to your relationship with food during that process but you're doing it to compete and that's different from like an everyday person just trying to lose 20 pounds right okay i'm gonna throw a little perspective your way because i'm thinking and and i have really like no stance on this so i'm openly questioning you here is like with a kid you know if some kid isn't going to hurt themselves but they might trip and fall and scrape their arm and that's their lesson like better lesson than if you had told them not to slip on the ice or something you know what i mean so let's take this analogy let's roll with it is maybe these people aren't going to actually destroy their health with one cheat meal so like if a client is saying like yeah you know i like i like to enjoy the weekend and that's their code word for i just go crazy on the weekend um, mm-hmm. you might, instead of just always preaching, like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. The same way a parent would tell their kid not to go run on the ice. It's like, maybe sometimes the client's got to learn on themselves. They come back to you and they say, and, and they come back and they say it works and they're reaching their goals. And you're like, Oh, okay. I guess for them, they're an outlier. It works. And yeah. this trial and error game we play with clients. I don't know. Do you think that's the case or, or are you just going to be that parent? That, not, not for real. I'm saying like, you're going to, with the client, you're going to keep telling them, don't 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 it's like stop 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 or is like, it case by like, case like like don't cheat meal is that what you're saying yeah 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 you know yeah like i would say versus would, just try it out tell me and then like you'd say i recommend you don't do it but try it out and then they come oh, back yeah to that, you. that's exactly what i would do it's not like a i'm not like so anti cheat meal that like nobody can have it like i said like there's people that have success with cheat meals it's just not it's just i think it's more unlikely Because you know what I mean? Like, think about it this way. If you have a client that if you have a client that for the rest of their life on Sunday, they're going to have a cheat meal. I'm not just it's not to say that this is going to work for everybody, but for the rest of their life, like six out of the seven days, they're very restrictive with their diet. And then on Sundays, that's your day to like let loose. It's not to say that that couldn't work. I just think it's going to be harder to reach their goals and sustain that. Because I think no, the like I think the likelihood of somebody binging on a Sunday and then letting that bleed into their Monday and then letting that bleed into the week or something like that is far more. It's just like has an on and off switch where they're just like mm-hmm. so restrictive, low calorie, whole foods, amazing Monday to Saturday, and then come Sunday they go let loose. Because what let's so let's say you have a social event on Friday night or Saturday night, but you have this diet where it's like 
well, no, I, that's, it's not my cheat meal day. And it's like, then, yeah, sure. You could move that to, you could have your cheat meal on that Friday night or something like that. But for me, it's just, it's far too restrictive for what I would assume people would have success with and what I've seen with clients. Like, it's just not cheat meals usually turn into a binge and then followed by a period of extra restriction throughout the week Mm -hmm. and then a bigger binge on the weekend. It's just this back and forth. Yeah, I agree, man. No, I I hear you. Remember at FHP, (coughs) they brought up a thing like if someone's very against eating vegetables, they're not actually, but they kind of show that they struggle to eat them and they're resisting on you telling them to eat healthy. The trick was to say, oh, so are you saying broccoli isn't good for you? And then, of course, they're going to disagree and be like, no, no, it is, it is, but, and they're going to try and justify their behavior. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, I would never, if someone asked me, oh, Zeb, you're saying cheat meals are good? I would never be like, yes, I would never say that. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, yeah. That's the thing. It's good for I some agree. people. Like, it does work. I know people that have success with it. It's just when you're talking about for the masses, like, for a blanket statement that, like, is obviously never going to be perfect, but for most people, it's, it's probably not the best uh, way no, to structure your diet. Exactly. And imagine imagine someone who they go to invest. And actually, I'll first give context by saying that fitness is a lifestyle. Anyone listening, they should know, like, this is why we're not advocating for cheat meals because it kind of eliminates just that lifestyle of health. Mm-hmm. So what I'm, now, the, the example I was going to give is, like, investing being a lifestyle that you do forever imagine someone they invest great all week and then on the weekend they fucking spend all their investment money and then they exactly, do it again you know? exactly. it's like it's a never-ending cycle and like that's not the lifestyle mm-hmm. exactly that's, yeah, that's a thing why it can be bad exactly it's not a lifestyle i think that's actually so sad it's not it isn't a lifestyle it's a it's uh, what do you call that I don't know. It's I don't even know what to call it. It just be, it's, it's unhealthy. It's, it's, I don't know. It's an unhealthy cycle. It's a it's a cycle that like it's a lifestyle guess, as well, but an unhealthy one in my yeah. No. Actually, that's true. Yeah, you're right. I guess it is a lifestyle. It's just like not something. I think it's unlikely that you sustain that for the rest of your life. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Like I've. I actually love the topic of dieting and trying to like make oh, it something yeah. that's like sustainable and like in- and uh, sustainable and like realistic. But heard, it's it's yeah. so hard, man. It's so hard. Well, okay. I heard someone say they don't like the word diet. They want to switch that to nutrition lifestyle. Is that? Do you roll your eyes when you hear that? Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> that's. <laughs> I think I one hundred percent think that's stupid. Your diet, because there's this whole like. There's this whole issue with like diet culture now than like that people talk about. Um, and it's like, there's this whole, there's this whole thing like a demonizing diet culture, basically saying that just or talking about diets or talking about your weight loss journey is triggering for people. And like yeah. diet culture causes eating disorders. And like, it's not to say that it couldn't. And it's not to say that for somebody who's legitimately struggled with an eating disorder could be triggered. What triggered? <laughs> triggered. Somebody could be triggered. Um, somebody could be triggered by a post talking about dieting if they like had a truly bad experience with it that caused them legitimate trauma. That though, that's in the minority though. I can say that with a big degree of confidence. Like 
that's a minority of people in the grand scheme of things. So just, you can't, I hate when people say like, you can't talk about diet and like dieting culture is like one of the worst things for people like online to see. It's like, I understand that it could be triggering for some people, but there's also so many people that need that information around dieting to change their life in a positive way. Totally. So it's like, and I think people, people associate that word diet with crash diets or with fad diets. That's, that's the, that's the separation that people need to realize your diet is your nutrition lifestyle is yeah. your, is all your diet is, is just the way you eat. If you, exactly. fucking, if you, if you eat bananas and Doritos all day, that's your diet. Yeah, like, your diet, yeah it doesn't matter and if you do keto then sure that's your diet but it's like they've labeled diet as like this negative term because it can't people think of dieting which is like i'm adopting this new diet that i found out about in order to lose weight and it's like well no you just changed your way of eating because somebody told you that that was going to be what's that you somebody told you that's what's going to make you successful with your weight loss and yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I personally think that's silly, and I want to hear your opinion on that. Well, the name of the profession is literally a dietitian, and someone's dietary allowance or dietary needs, or like it's just a word. You're right; it's literally to explain what people eat. So, yeah, one hundred percent. But I, I hear you that like some people could have baggage and trauma associated to the word, so you just have to know that, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, but like. But man, like once you once you get into that, it's like, well, then I would literally never be able to post anything online. No, because, no, that's like, what I'm saying. Somebody, somebody would get triggered by everything, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean? no, no. And then the person has to work on that. And obviously, you hope they're upfront and honest. And they're like, yeah, I really, like, that word bugs me. Like, you have to be honest with you. And you'd be like, oh, okay, I didn't know. Um, Let's like, yeah. work on that. Exactly. Or, or refer them out to somebody who can help them. But, uh, dude, so I saw this video just recently. And it was this guy, he was saying, like, Take away all sexual attractiveness to some girls and, and like, look at what's left. And he's like, that's what you should be looking at. And he's like, there's a lot of girls you wouldn't even bother with if it weren't for their looks. And I don't know. Maybe it was the music with it and the, and, or just the way I'm, par- <laughs> so I'm paraphrasing it too. And so, but I'm just saying, I was like, like, there's actually a lot of people that are not good for us out there. Oh my god, yeah, one hundred percent. There you go. That was especially, that, especially like now too, like with social media and stuff. Like social media and like how do you think? Do you think beauty standards are the worst they've ever been? Hmm. I'm not sure. It definitely fucks a lot of youngsters up. I think like I think with social media and like Photoshop and editing and like the highlight reel that Instagram is or YouTube, whatever, I think that that has uh, I think that's made it way easier for people to like increase their physical attractiveness. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like how people perceive them, like whether it's through makeup or working out or editing their photos, like. I saw a dad had put a filter on to make himself look better the other day. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Um, and um, what was it? Oh, have you seen some of these girls that will – they show, like, them posing with the tummy tucked in, and then they'll, like, relax and actually look normal? Yes. Have you seen that? I love that. I think more people should do that. 
100%. I couldn't agree more. Even for men, I've seen, like, a lot of pictures, like, dudes that are, like, really shredded, and then they, like, stand in a not posed way, and it's, like, I think it's important for guys to see, too, man. Like, I think beauty standards for... I think beauty standards for females are always significantly harder and more aggressive. I don't know if that'll ever change. Um, But I think even for men now, like, especially in our industry, like, you scroll through social media, all you see is dudes that are fucking 6% body fat, like, and jacked and doing, like, crazy impressive feats of strength or whatever. Like, dudes that are just physically, like, so impressive. And it's hard. It's it's incredibly hard to not get in your and like compare yourselves to them and all that but you need to realize that like that dude is shredded for a short period of time or he's on steroids or he's has perfect lighting he has a pump he was posed a professional yeah. like a lot of the stuff that i post on social media i'm guilty mm-hmm. of it it's all with a pump it's when i was lean it's like flexing maybe a professional photographer whatever like it's very rare that i'm just posting like a straight up like sitting on my couch fucking eating cheetos looking fat like you know what it's like again social media is a highlight reel but i think those people that do post those comparisons like hey this is like realistically like what most people look like james smith is really good for that actually for guys he's uh he has like a very honest physique like just an average guy who like works out but also enjoys food and some booze and no, he has yep. a he has a normal, healthy lifestyle. Something that's like achievable for most people, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that's even more important. Like nowadays, coming back to like your question around like removing the sexuality out of people, like that's something that I valued so much more over the last like probably like three years of my life because it's like I so many times I've been so invested in a female that's like very attractive. But I was ignoring the fact that, like, outside of that, I didn't have a lot in common with them. Or, like, we just weren't, just didn't have, they didn't, they didn't excite me, like, intellectually, which is something that I now value a crazy amount, a crazy amount. Because I have, and it comes from having people like yourself in my life, where it's like you and I can do hours and just not stop talking the entire time and have amazing conversations and like you challenge me and you make me smarter and you make me more curious and we can laugh and like I value good conversations so much that if I don't have that with a partner it literally would never work out it doesn't matter how attractive they are it literally it's it would be impossible for me to live the rest of my life with that person Mm -hmm. so yeah but (laughs) Uh, you have me just I feel so like flat. I went off on a tangent. I feel like I no, went no. off on a tangent. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was that was awesome. Well, and it fine. I'll say it. it's cliche, but like same here. I agree. Uh, I completely agree. I need a person that has stimulating conversation too. And you know, okay. Even though this might change how people see me, but who cares? I, I don't know actually how people feel. So I'll I'll say this. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a client because this girl I was talking to, I had this fantasy in my head, like this, the imagination of our date was way higher in expectation than reality and so this is weird because i don't know if there's a name for this phenomenon i want to like this person but i don't and i was just disappointed because again it was boring conversation i would throw out ideas and aspirations and they wouldn't catch it yeah and i was like i was disappointed i'm like i want this this could be 
a good time, but it isn't. And it was just sad because I guess I was emotionally grieving this loss of a potential. Yeah, I've I've 100% been there. Yeah, I don't know if you understand. So, but that's is it realistic, Scott? Like you and I click so well because we do like to think deeply and push outside the box. Do you think that's possible to expect I, that all the time? Uh, no, like, like, not all the time, but I think it's reasonable to expect to find somebody that can do that for you. Right. They can. Right. Right. That's because it's like, yeah, man. Like I like with Lauren, like I found it. Like it's yeah. she's 100% intellectually intellectually stimulating for me. Like we can have some amazing conversations and we can also have just really funny, like nonsensical conversations. And it's like, yeah, 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 exactly. And it's like, but for the longest time, like I didn't, I didn't, it's, I feel like it's hard to find, man. Honestly, it's hard to say this without sounding like, I don't know, like narcissist. It's, I I don't even know. It's hard to sound. Basically, I find it difficult. I, I find it difficult at our age, honestly um because i do feel like some of the conversations that we have and some of the things that we're really into aren't the aren't the status quo for like young 20 year olds no for sure maybe and you know what like maybe yeah you're right no i feel, like, it, I feel like it's i feel like it's more rare i feel like it's more rare you know what i mean it's not to say that those people don't exist but i think finding somebody at our age that ticks all the boxes like you're sexually attracted to the sexual chemistry but you also have the intellectual like emotional connection there um where they can like legitimately challenge you and and your mind and make you make interesting conversation i think it's hard man i think it's really hard i think you can go out and find all kinds of attractive girls that won't be able to do that for you where it's like i feel like we're going to start as we start to get older like into our later 20s and 30s you're gonna it'll be way more abundant because at least for me man because i'm at the age like at 22 a lot of my a lot of my peers in university so yeah because i went to college so i was done school after two years and then i was kind of put out into the workforce and like i had i wasn't i wasn't learning in school anymore i started learning about all all kinds of things outside of school and all kinds of, and then really had time and energy to like look inwards and reflect on what I was struggling with and like who I wanted to be and like kind of change a lot about me over the last like two, three years since I left school. But I feel like a lot of, at 22, most people are just graduating university. So they're now figuring out the same things because they were so focused and it's arguably way more work because they're in a university degree. So it's almost like a 40 hour a week job just to study for some of that stuff. So they didn't have the opportunity to like look into all the self-help and philosophy and fucking astrophysics and comedy or like whatever. They just had other things to focus on. So now they're kind of figuring out who they want to be and they're going through that change. So to find a girl at this age or around this time it's like well they're still trying to figure out like who they want to be and maybe they just haven't been invested in the same things that you and i have been invested in over the last however many years well maybe people just don't want to think because i shouldn't assume anything but these people again kids who are taking programs they're thinking all the time and the last thing they want to do is be asked and ponder because that's more thinking which is sad for sure you're i think you're bang on man i don't know but 
why are people scared to get deep? Why are, and not even when people hear the word deep, they think heart to heart schmaltz. Like no, no, no. Just pondering cool concepts and paradoxes. Why are people scared to do this? Um, I think because people are scared of being wrong. I actually talked to my friend Bingo. about this. I talked to my friend about this recently, and it was like, I, it actually it really summed up a lot of things for me and like other people in my life because. I think there's, especially coming out of the university system, you are judged based on your grades, right? And that's your worth. Like, that's your worth in the school system. Is so your, true, it, man. It, it's, it's really toxic. Like, it is. I was talking about this. Yeah. Your worth yeah. is your grade. So if you have a bad grade and you are wrong, like literally the, the epitome of being wrong then you don't have a good average and that you maybe you don't have the best average among your peers and then you're not going to get into a good job outside of school or whatever. So their entire, like a university student's entire belief system is around being right or wrong. And like that, that's their main value. So then when you take a young individual or just anybody who's thinks that way, then they are, they going deep is or is going deep causes some vulnerability the sorry the ability to ask questions is so vulnerable and ask questions and potentially be wrong about them so if you take somebody and you're like and you make them start asking themselves or the universe or somebody else like really deep philosophical questions there's a, I think there's a fear and an ego there that's worried about being wrong and worrying about embarrassing themselves because Definitely. they're because they're used to prioritizing being right and being correct. Well, and I'll tell you a quick story. I was walking with a kid in law school and I go, why are you stressing out, man? And he was talking about wanting good grades. And so I keep asking, I go, wait a second. Are they asking for your transcript at the job interview? And he's like, no. And I was like, exactly. I said, go to school, pass those classes, and then otherwise literally just study to be the best fucking lawyer in Canada. Yeah, Why yeah. does it matter? And, and, and then when he starts digging, because he, he kind of realized that I didn't realize something. So I, I kept digging. And then what I didn't realize was that his pride was on the line. And then I go, oh, this is a different conversation. Because he said at the end, he goes, I just want to get a good grade. It feels good. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, when people can't fully articulate their emotions, I'm like, okay, I, I yeah. get it. I, it's a pride thing. And then I go, oh, I don't think people realize the generational insecurity in regards to grades, like you were talking about, where the parents are pushing kids to get good grades because the parents learned that grades equate yeah. to them. It's like this literal generational insecurity. Now, I'm just spitballing here, but before I digress, think about this. It's like, if only, and this makes me so mad at the education system. Like, if only people didn't measure their, their status by grades, now we wouldn't have all these people just schwitzing. That's Yiddish for hustling and like sweating. For no reason, people would just go to be the best lawyer in the world instead of like worrying about their pride. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, why did, since when did the number equate to their pride? I think it's because your whole identity is a student. And I think that's like there what people, go. when people graduate, they have an crisis. Because you're like, yeah. well, you got to figure out like what you're going to be. Like, it's like, yeah. am I out? Like, it's man, that's because up until the point that you graduate secondary, 
your entire identity was a student. Like somebody asked you what you do, you're a student. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm in college. Like it's because you're just working on jobs. Like that's not your identity. And it's like, yeah, I'm a student or I'm an athlete. You see it with athletes all the time too. As soon as they're done their sport, they have an identity crisis. So if you're entire being a student and probably being a good student then you're the metric for being a good student what's the metric for being a good student it's good grades that's the only that's really the only metric that is taught to us throughout life it's do you have good grades oh you're a good student even though there's so much more to the real world and being a good student actually means nothing once you graduate but yeah i don't know it's uh it's a really interesting topic it's funny you brought this up because i was talking about it recently and it's been it's something that's on my mind because it's been a fascinating thing to observe 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 well i can't talk today some of my uh dyslexia is kicking in some of my friends that have graduated university and just watching the change that they've gone through it's been really interesting well and so actually the fact you brought up identity there's this concept, the defenseless ego. Have you heard of this concept? No, I haven't. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. Is Let's say someone identifies as a mother, okay? and But they didn't identify as I'm a mother for now or right now. And so then that's dangerous because one day that title is going to be stripped when their kids aren't at home anymore. So, or, or that's a bad example. You know what I mean? Let's say an athlete, for example, and that, that will get stripped one day. So instead of identify as an athlete for now or right now in my life, they identify as an athlete forever. And so that's an ego that's defenseless because then one day their ego won't have any defense to when someone questions that identity. And, oh. and that is depression and all sorts of fakakta. And so for anyone out there that identifies as something, maybe get more specific with the identity so that you're not defenseless, so that you are uh, so that you have defense when the day comes that you are stripped. And I don't know, it's just like a very simple little hack where it's like, oh, what do I identify heavily as? Like right now, I identify as Canadian. Maybe I should say right now, just so one day I'm not a wreck if I have to move or something. I, you know, that's just, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Yeah, so, the examples, are, examples are hard, but I know what you're saying. You understand what I'm saying? Like, let's not be fragile. Let, let's not yeah. our identities. Have you ever seen on when uh, who's that guy Duncan Trussell and he talks about how we are we cling to our personality like as he would say someone clinging on to a pole with the floor made of razor blades like we and he yeah. says like and it comes down to him getting super deep in regards to we are not our body we're the consciousness that controls the vessel like and, I, love, dude, I love Duncan Trussell yeah, Duncan Trussell goes off. Like he also talks about just strip all your identities so that you're not a fragile human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, man, like the like, identity thing is so interesting because we every single human is like seeking identity. Like, why do you why do you think that is? Uh, oh well, in the fifth agreement. So I don't have like a full opinion on this, but I can paraphrase what other people's opinions are, which is in the fifth agreement that guy. He says we seek – everything is a mask for meaning. Every time we've constructed anything, anytime we agree to a definition to anything is literally we're creating a meaning. And every title is a mask for that meaning. That, and it's a mask. If you're wondering what is a mask for meaning, it's us not admitting we don't know anything. Like we, we want to seek meaning so badly because we don't know how this world operates that we will all agree – that this is called a phone call. We are agreeing that we have feet and toes. Oh, like yeah, yeah, we can yeah. come to these agreements. That's why he calls his books the fifth or the fourth agreements. 
we come to these agreements so that we're not all confused and we all feel comfortable because it's not what we want. Comfort. Noah, Noah Yuval Harari calls that intersubjective uh, reality. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yep. yep. No, you're right. Intersubjective. We're all, you're right. We're all saying our subjectivities are aligned. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's, we, yeah, that's like religion is a perfect example. It's something that's not real objectively, but we all agree upon it to work towards a better version of humans. Yeah, man. No, that's Naval Harari knows his shit. Bro, also, actually, so there's a, my best friend's mother. She's in like a really rough spot, speaking of identity, empty nest syndrome. And it's really frustrating to talk to this person because they are not letting go. They're not moving on. And you know the concept we're borrowing everything? Yep. It, yeah. So I wish more people would realize if something goes, it was never yours to begin with. Why? And then if you really dig deeper, wow. the sense of entitlement we all have, we are all feeling so entitled to everything, thinking like, this is mine. No, no, no. It was never yours. It was someone else's, even if it's an attribute. Attributes get wow. passed away. It's like nothing is ours. So why are we clinging on to things and identifying as everything? I don't know. It's interesting. Actually, dude, that's actually fucking crazy to think about. Yeah. You're so right. It's so like, true. Like we, we're so entitled. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, dude, that, that's actually, I've never heard of that. Like I've never thought about it that way. Like we are so entitled. Like, man, that's actually really interesting to think about. I'm just kind of letting my brain ro- roll with that a little bit. It's no, almost like, you like, like you think about people that are very materialistic, like yeah. and like cars and houses and things like that. And when you lose those things or when you can't have those things, it's like crushing. It's mm-hmm. crushing, but it's ironic because it's like even if you get it, it's not even it's not yours. Like it's not it's not it really doesn't belong to you. <laughs> no, no, you're 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 borrowing it for a minute, and when you die, someone else will get it. Dude, it's just... dude, it's actually so funny. It's an agreed upon like if I want to go and buy a Ferrari, it's like I. <laughs> me and my boss agree that the money that the work I'm putting in is worth this piece of is that, that that means I get this piece of paper, which also is an agreed upon thing that we say that this piece of paper called money has value. And then I take this agreed upon myth to the car dealership. And then me and that car salesman agree that my paper is worth something to them and that I'm going to give them that so that then I can, so then we agree upon the fact that now this car is mine or that this car has value and that now that car belongs to me, even though it really doesn't, doesn't actually really belong to anybody. Like, and then there you go, that, that's actually fucking crazy it's to crazy. think about. Yeah. But, but dude, that's like, like how crazy is it now that like we're talking about this, how crazy is it that though, that we agree so potently on these things that people shape their entire lives around it. Wow. Like people, people spend people spend their entire life trying to achieve an agreed upon social construct to have a nice house, to have a nice car. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I'll be honest, like I want a nice car, but it, because it give, it brings me joy. Like I've tried to make sure that I, the materialistic things that I want aren't for other people. I try my best, and I'm not. I'm honestly not that great at it. Like there's still things where I find myself like chasing something for validation from others, and I think that's like the perpetual thing that humans are always going to struggle with but how crazy is it that like we literally are chasing things and accumulating something that objectively has no worth in nature but it's we've been told and we all agree that it's valuable in some way through like society or like um 
I don't even know. Yeah. No, that's really fascinating. Well, and you're referring to something that people study all the time, cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Right, right, right. Like, like we have the information, we know what's going on, but yet we still don't apply it. Yeah. Um, No, it's true, man. Like you and I have all the info in the world on how to eat healthy and be healthy human beings. And yet like we aren't completely healthy. So yeah. Yeah. Like humans, like we're so so imperfect. Yeah. I I blame hormones for that shit. Yeah. True. Yeah. Have you heard the analogy or hormones are the puppeteer and we're the puppet and the hormones control us like strings. And well, have you watched big mouth? Only a few episodes. So that's literally what Big Mouth just shows. It literally, oh, like puberty and visually demonstrates because there's a hormone monster for every kid. Right, right, right. And it's so funny. It's such a funny show, dude. It's such a funny show, but it's kind of like Rick and Morty in the sense where like it's super profound at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like some of the stuff Mm -hmm. that they talk about, it's like holy shit. That's something that like it's a deep concept that like so many. Uh, teenagers struggle with because of their hormones and like whatever like it talks about like real like it talks about real life shit and then they just like take it and run with it and make it like obviously more extravagant but like yeah it's uh hormones 100 percent dictate so much of a reality man like think but dude coming back like to what we were just talking about like hormones are a huge reason why we are chasing things that are agreed upon myths because uh-huh. it's like, and like, I know you said that, but it's like, literally, like, for men, it's like, so much of what we do revolves around getting a beautiful woman, and like having a beautiful wife. It's so like, so much of our rea- of what we do day to day is so that we can achieve success, so that we're more attractive to the opposite sex. There you go. That's a hormone. You're right. That's a rooted thing as a human. Yeah testosterone driven like and then same for females like so much of like what females pursue is so that they can attract a good mate so that they can end up in a secure situation with somebody who takes care of them and takes care of their kids and like hopefully lives a loving happy life but like instinctually it's on a more primal level it's literally just to attract a good mate that can take care of you and your family and that's mm-hmm. it like that's that's the extent of it and now there's more things because we're more advanced but that is on the primal level and that's all dictated by hormones and the attraction to whether it's the opposite sex the same sex whatever like it's the attraction to on a primal level procreate and be safe 100 percent, but then now that's like but now that's on a, such an unnatural level where it's like there's so many other things that we're trying to achieve while in the pursuit of another like of a partner but it all comes back to that like our hormones are dictating all the success because success is different now it's all these agreed upon myths you have a house you have money you have a car you have a good job you're smart you're attractive physically mentally whatever like there's so many other standards that we have to hit within society to attract the other sex and procreate and have a happy life or whatever see I want to hear your thoughts on this. I, I'm guilty of learning how to be attractive from other guys and not listening to women. And so if you're confused, for example, would be, let's say someone is the alpha in the room and I, 
And I'm like, oh, okay. And I start studying, and I'm like, oh, okay. They do that a little different than I do. And I'll, I'll all of a sudden want to take on some of these attributes that the outfit has when it, I don't even know if that's what a girl wants. Or and and a little bit of imposter shit where like that's not even me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I feel. What are your thoughts on? That? I feel like a lot of guys out there could relate where they like see another dude do something that they like as a guy. And then they yeah, yeah. like that because and it's like what you okay okay so clearly this insecurity of not being an alpha you'll take on the attribute but you don't even know if that's what a partner wants. One hundred percent, dude. I'm one hundred percent guilty of that. I've one hundred percent done that. Like you know what dude, I mean? We've all had, it's natural as a guy. It's got to be to see another guy that you look up to and be like, I want to be like that because a girl will like me. Then when in reality, it's not about the girl. It's that you would like yourself if you were like that, and that's what. Yeah. It is. Dude, that's like, uh, that's fuck? really important what you just said. Dude, but girl, like females do the same thing. 100% they do the same thing. Like yeah. they see, dude, and it's social media. Think about like, you're talking about a real life example where you see like a guy in the room that clearly stands out, but like it's social media, movies, media, all of that stuff. It's all, that's all what it is. It's all seeing yeah. people that you wish you were like or that you or that <laughs> yeah. you think you think have some sort of success in whatever realm you're looking into and then you're like oh i need to emulate that and dude a lot of times especially with guys it's like we guys are so stupid like i think we're so oh fucking stupid God. like we're just idiots you know yeah. what i mean and i think we're idiots in the sense that like the things that we think girls value i i don't think are in any sense like it's like so many guys, especially in the fitness industry, it's like, I need to get as big and as strong as I possibly can. Because like the biggest and the strongest, and that's such a primal thing for us, like the biggest and the strongest are going to attract the most females. But it's like, they might attract females. Are they attracting like great females? Who knows? Like, yes, there's lots of really big jack dudes with great women. That's for sure. But I know some guys that like like do not work out in any sense, and they just look like average guys, and they have dime piece girlfriends who are also intellectually stimulating and great. And it's like that's not the only metric for like male success. And I think like being the biggest jack dude is like that actually puts you at like there's a there's a you're you're making the pool of women that are interested in you smaller by doing that. I think, I think it's a very select niche for like girls to be into like the biggest jacked dude or the biggest and strongest, whatever. I think like, I think girls care so much more. And the reason actually, the reason that guys think that is because, um, is because that's what guys look at. It's because we are projecting what we look for in females onto females in terms of what they look like what they look for in men because men do really they care about far less like a lot of men do just care about sexual attractiveness with women it's so common and they think that females are the same way and it's it couldn't be further from the truth like Mm -hmm. females females are so much more romantic and so much more emotional and so much more in tune to how a man thinks and feels how smart he is and like how he is in social situations like females are so much more aware of that and like the personality that they're attracting and and it's not again it's on both sides there's lots of people that just marry people or date people that are 
have money or look good and they don't really think much deeper than that. But I think if you're really truly looking for like a lifelong partner, it's you should on male and female side, you should start investing time into becoming the best version of yourself, like internally that, and working out and all that is going to help you and becoming more physically attractive, but you need to figure out what you want and who the person you are like on an internal level and emotional level. Oh, 100%. When you love what you can give, other people love what you can give. And I'll tell you, man, like, people, isn't it fucked up? Like, oh, yeah. they, they, they will validate you for wanting to be like others, okay? So think about this. Like, let's go all the way back to the beginning when we were saying person wants to be like another person, okay? And because you're striving to be like another person, okay, you're going to change a little bit. And then someone's going to come along, and they are going to validate you for that. And they're going to say, I love you, honey. And I love this about you. And I love that about you. But these were things mm-hmm. that you were just trying to be like someone else. So you get validated, sure. right? And then it reinforces this behavior. And you're like, okay, they like me now. This is, I, it all worked out for, it was good that I tried to be like someone else. Well, joke's on you. You would have been validated anyways for being, wanting to be like yourself. Someone also would have come in the room and said, I validate you for being you. Yeah. And, okay, like someone would have come along and validated you regardless. You are going to get love and hate regardless. It's so sad. So then let's extrapolate a little bit. If only people were not taught to want to be like others. Because you think, why then? Why are people doing it? It's because they're taught that they should want to be like someone else. I have and, a, you know? I have a question for you. What are your thoughts? Do you, do you think that do you think that it can be a positive outcome if you compare yourself to others and strive to be like somebody else, even if it's necessarily like maybe not for like the best reason, do you think that that can put you on a path that ends up you becoming a better version of yourself and it ends up being a positive experience? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was just thinking about it because like I definitely started working out with the goal that I would get laid more. <laughs> that was like 100 what was 100 I think most young guys like do that. It's because we're just that's all we're thinking about when we're teenagers. It's just like how do I get girls? Like that's and how do I impress the other guys around me? And like I would love to tell you it was because I was like playing football and I wanted to get better at football and like I wanted to I start really wanted to change my self image and it's like Sure, that was part of it. Most of it was so that I could attract more girls. Like, I thought that, like, I'd have everything figured. I thought guys would look up to me more and that I would be, like, that alpha male type that would be big and jacked and strong and, like, whatever. Because I compared myself to other guys I went to high school with who were jacked and were attractive and strong, whatever. And then, but that process is what got me into fitness which led me down this path of ending up where I am now, which is like somebody who is invested in their health and fitness and like physical attractiveness. But I spend so much more time invested like internally now than, than I would have otherwise, potentially, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, that was like a positive experience. I was comparing myself to others and then I, tr- I tried to be like others. And then I learned like coming back all the way to the beginning, I learned that hard lesson of, okay, maybe that wasn't the best reason for me pursuing this, but it ended up working out. When were we I don't taught, know if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. And when were we taught not to like ourselves and to want to change? Yeah, I don't know. It's Is that uh, inevitable? 
Like, yeah, how the hell does that I don't know, man. I feel like... When we're parents, a, what do we, how do we stop question? a kid from not wanting to be them? I don't think you do, because they're going to get bullied. They're going to get made fun of. They're going to... Like, every kid has to go through that. Is that primal, though? Is that what our cave people did? Did they compare to others and want to be different as well? Is that just natural? Well, no, I think it's... I think it's... I think maybe it's a like it's it is instinctual to try to become better than what you are. Like I think it's, it's I think it's instinctual to work your way up the success ladder. Cuz like even as a cave person like you if you're in a tribe or something like that, you were I feel like most were trying to like work as hard as they could to work their way up and have some comfort because I think that's all what we're doing. It's like we're trying to seek comfort. And, and comparison would happen, right? Like some guy can hunt a lion and you're going, oh, fuck, I can't hunt the lion. That's comparison right there, which many would do a bad thing, but it kept the person alive because they compared and said, oh, shit, yeah. I'm gonna, I don't dude, hunt that thing. Dude, I actually, th- I actually think you just said something really important. It kept that person alive. And yeah, I think because of the things we're talking about are so ego driven and we know that the ego is tied to a fear of death and like. Oh, man, ego death, man. That's fucked. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. So then. So then, yeah, like us comparing ourselves to what we deem as more successful people, that is maybe that's a maybe that's like a survival mechanism. Maybe it's like we compare ourselves to them in order to start to emulate the things they're doing. And then we're going to achieve more success. And then that will lead to putting food on the table for our family. Yeah, well, okay, And this makes me think now here we go. And it sucks that time's running out because we could go off on this, which is. The subconscious teaches our ego how to talk because sometimes there are things that we have. Our self-talk will sometimes say things that we're like, what? Like, I didn't think I – I don't agree with what my self-talk just said, and it's because of the subconscious. So, for example, the subconscious is always telling us how to live uh, – sorry, how to survive. And so it makes sense that our ego is also going to tell us really fucked up things to just try to keep us alive when in reality, like, we're not cave people anymore. So yeah. isn't that funny? Right, that like no wonder our self talk can get a little fucked up sometimes. Like you are less than this person. You are. That's just us trying to be alive. Damn, man, that's actually so interesting to think about. Because have you ever it, thought like that, man? That you're like, why am I insecure about it, or why? And people go, why, why, why? They don't know why. It's because the subconscious is teaching their ego what to say. Wow. Yeah. No wonder we can't explain why we feel certain things. It's just our our brain trying to live trying to live another day it's like it's crazy that that's a survival thing but like we're starting to realize that that's a survival thing and it's like because like yeah yeah because it's something i think it's something that like we're trying to weed out as much as possible we're trying to avoid those negative thoughts we're trying to avoid that negative self-talk and it's like i don't think it'll ever go away It'll never go away. But when you start to understand it, you accept it. And and acceptance ties directly to a growth mindset. When you start to accept, you start to say, I can do this instead of I wish I da da da. You feel like when you accept, like I agree 100%. When When a person accepts those thoughts that they don't like, they can start to say, well, instead of I wish I didn't, you can say, ah, I can. I can reframe this. Right, 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 right. Do this in my situation right now, blah, 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 no matter what these thoughts are. Or I can choose to realize these are just 
survival mechanisms. Then you actually start to actually gain control of your own psyche. You're not out of control. And, and actually the concept of fragility, which I we've talked about, I love like, ah, uh, pardon me, anyone who's you get ready to judge me in the next three seconds here is I, I can't stand fragile human beings. I just can't stand other people who are so fragile by emotions, words. It's like, just gain a little perspective on why you feel what you feel mm-hmm. and realize it's your, your ego trying to survive. I don't think, but man, I think anybody that judges you for that is probably a fragile person. <laughs> it's ironic, and I like, connotation on fragility, like, cause it's not their fault. It is nobody's fault. Again, it, with their, yeah, it's nobody's fault ever. So I'm not going to judge that person for their fragility. I'm just saying because of what I know, I don't, it's a shame that person is so fragile. It's a shame, but I'm not going to blame them for being that way. I'm just saying if only people realized yeah. everything you just said, you know what I mean? Well, you're saying, you're saying that because you've done so much work personally and you've realized the benefits of not being a fragile person. That's, that's why it frustrates you. It doesn't come out of a place of judgment just to be mean and just to that's say, it. Like, I wish oh, exactly. yeah, you're not saying it because it's like, oh, those people are lesser. You're saying it because you want those people to experience the positive the positive results that you've experienced from them. Yeah, their relationships would flourish. They, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Because mm-hmm. people, you're kidding yourselves if you think you're not projecting 24-7. And if you're just a person who's fearful all the time, judgmental all the time because of your fragility, you're kidding yourself if that doesn't project onto others and cause toxicity amongst your relationships. I'm sorry. 100%. Yeah. Like, and we, yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts around that, but like, cause yeah, one could argue it causes anxiety to start thinking about every move you're making and every little piece of your psyche. But I'm just saying when a little bit's not that bad and then it can help you understand. I think that's so important being self-aware and having like a, and having an objective view of your thoughts, I think is necessary for, to live your best life. For sure, man. I hear you. Uh, okay. I have to go to my client's house and I hate to cut this short, that's okay, dude. That was an amazing podcast, actually. That was so good. I feel like it kind of started off a little slow, maybe, but then, like, because I wasn't getting my points across the right. But, anyways, that was good. No, I loved that. That was honestly great for me. That's one of the best ones we've done. I really liked that. We <laughs> talked about some really interesting stuff. PA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Sorry. I'm just saying, like, night and day versus the last time. I, <laughs> I know. Yeah, literally. <laughs> completely opposite podcasts. Cool. Um, All right, dude. I'll chat with you soon. We'll do another podcast. Oh, I'm going to send the people off with this. And if you guys were compelled with us talking about human construction and definitions and labels, there's this quote I saw on TikTok. It was, everything is just stories. Stories about stories about stories about stories. It's like everything has a story and we create stories about it. Dude, I wish you didn't say that because I had this this conversation with a client. We need to do another podcast. Another podcast and then bring it up. Yeah, yeah, because that's important, talking about narratives. Anyway, all right, we'll get there. See you. See you, homie. Thank you so much. Of course. Bye.